Good morning, Doxa family. Please remain standing for the reading of God's word. Our scripture reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. You can open your Bible app or just follow along on the screen. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. This has been the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Well, we're in our final three weeks of our series on the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus has been talking about the difference between his kingdom and the kingdom of this world, and he's led us to think about what would the world be like, and this is what I want you guys to think about. What would the world be like if we followed him? He's shown us that if we were to follow Jesus, when we follow Jesus, it doesn't mean that everything is good and golden all the time, but it does lead to true human flourishing. Following Jesus, if we followed him, if we obeyed his call to us in the Sermon on the Mount, it would be the type of life that we all dream of, what we wish life was like. But Jesus does something here. He doesn't just leave it to be something that we can kind of theorize about, that we can sit around over a coffee or whatever and discuss, like, in theory, what would it be like if we followed Jesus? You see, Jesus won't allow us space to think the things that he's sharing in the sermon are just nice ideas. He won't allow us to think that these are just nice ideas laid down by a wise teacher. Here's what he makes clear. He says this, He said, I've come here to deal with the fate of your souls. He's the creator of all things. He's the king of all eternity and and here he's telling us that we have to make a decision to follow him or not. In this, the, the closing section to the sermon, Jesus lays down a call to commitment. Throughout the sermon, he's highlighted the difference between his kingdom and that of the world, but now he calls us in no uncertain terms, every single one of us, he calls every single one of us to reckon with where we fall with him. What kingdom will you join? What king will you serve? That's what he's asking. And what is the difference if you do or you don't? What's the difference if you follow and submit to King Jesus or if you don't? And what does it cost to surrender to Jesus? Because contrary to what some people would tell you, there is a great cost to following Christ. But here's the other question. What does it cost you if you don't? What does it cost you to follow Christ and his rule? And what does it cost you if you don't? Jesus is calling for wholehearted, all-in commitment to himself. Not to a concept, not to an organization, but to him. Here again the passage, Matthew 7, 13 and 14. These are the words of Jesus. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many for the gate is narrow 
in a way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Jesus tells us there are two ways in life. Now, our culture, the world around us, not just our culture, the whole world around us, the whole world system that we are part of, that humanity has been part of since the fall, the whole world system around us tells us there are almost an infinite number of paths that you can choose in life. And they tell us that we get to choose the path that we want, that nobody else can choose for you. You get to choose, you alone. Don't let anybody decide for you what your life will be like, they say. No one can and no one should. It's really one of the cardinal rules of our culture. It's one of the cardinal kind of unwritten rules of our culture that says, don't let anyone tell you who you are or what you should do. Don't let anyone tell you who you are or what you should do. And that phrase, in our culture, in our surroundings, in the the ocean that we swim in, in our culture, those words seem wise. In fact, those words seem moral. In our culture, it is immoral for someone to tell you who you are and what you should do with your life. And yet, Jesus came into the world, and he's from heaven, and he split history. And his message is, there are two ways in life. There are two and only two ways. Jesus gets to this point in his his sermon after showing the beauty of his kingdom, all the time offering to us an invitation into true human flourishing under his rule, and now he shows us what's at stake. He shows us that there are two gates and two roads, there are two crowds, and there are two destinations. There are two gates, there are two roads, there are two crowds, and there are two destinations. He says, first of all, there's a narrow gate and there is a broad or a wide gate. The picture here is of ease of entry into whatever route that you're going on. Everyone easily and naturally flows into the wide gate. That's just the way that we go in life. We easily and we naturally flow down the, the, through, through the gate that is wide and the way that is wide and easy and spacious and accommodating. The narrow gate is easy to miss. It's not obvious, because, partially because it's not naturally appealing. We want by nature to do what we want to do, when we want to do it with our own lives, and we don't want anyone to tell us anything contrary to that. The narrow gate is restrictive. It forces you into a particular direction. It doesn't allow the baggage of our own interpretation of right or wrong or of good or evil. It's restrictive because it requires submission to King Jesus. That's what makes the gate narrow. The gate is narrow because it requires submission to King Jesus. He says there's two gates, the narrow one and the wide one. One is restrictive. One is easy to miss. It's not appealing. 
to submit to someone else. It's not, it's not appealing to admit that I'm in a sinner in need of a Savior. It is easy to miss the narrow gate, and it's restrictive because it requires me to submit to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In the core of our being, we don't want that. All of our problems in life, all of our problems in society, are, their core is, are based upon our refusal to submit to King Jesus. He says there's two gates, the narrow one and the wide one. He says there are two roads. One way he describes as broad and easy or broad and spacious. The picture here is that the, the, the broad way, the way through on the other side of the wide gate is an easy route. If you're picking which way you want to go, it's naturally the more appealing way. That way is wide, that way is, seems fun, that way seems broad, it seems accommodating, accommodating to whatever kind of life I want to live and however I want to live it. That's why it is wide and spacious and accommodating. Conversely, Jesus says that the other route, the other road is narrow, it is constricting, or it is hard is the term that he uses. The gate is narrow and the way is hard. And what this does is it highlights what is it like to follow Jesus in this world. It's interesting, Jesus never, never played softball with his listeners, and he doesn't today. Jesus never played bait and switch. He never said, come follow me and find life abundantly. And what I mean by that is <clears throat> your life will be easy, your bank account will be full, and nothing bad will ever happen to you. Jesus says, if you follow me, it will cost you all that you seem to think is most dear in your life. If you follow me, you will die to yourself. And you know what death feels like? It feels like death. It's never appealing. Jesus never pulls punches. He stands up and he says, hey, if you're going to follow me, you have to count the cost before you follow me because it's going to cost you. It's hard, the way is hard that leads to life because it's hard that the Christian is called by Jesus to die to ourself. He said, if you would follow, if you would come after me, then deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. It's hard, it's a hard road because the path of Christianity, the path of following King Jesus is a path of pressure and persecution. Everything in the world system around us seems to be pushing against us following Christ. Everything says you are going the wrong way. This way is hard. This way is not the way to life. There's so many other routes. There's riches and fame and sex and, and reputation. There's so many other routes your own accomplishments, so many other routes, for the way is wide and accommodating. But it's hard because this world system pushes against us a constant pressure and because there is persecution. Jesus says, if you're going to come after me, not only do you have to die to yourself, but 
the people around you, you're going to look like a fool to them. The Christian who is following King Jesus is one who is content to be called a fool for the short term because of what they get in the long term. The Christian is not the day trader. The Christian is the long-term investor. The other way is broad and spacious and accommodating. You can go wherever you like and do whatever you like down that way, but King Jesus requires your life. The broad path makes you look like you are your own Lord. The broad path makes you feel like you're in control. But the real power that you're serving doesn't reveal itself till the end. Jesus starts at the beginning and says, hey, if you'll follow me, deny yourself, come after me, die to yourself and follow me, I promise I'm taking you to life at the end. He puts all the costs up front. The enemy puts all the costs at the end and doesn't reveal himself to the last moment. The pilgrim on the narrow way has to be content to look like a fool because every Christian is like Noah building the ark. Decade after decade, day after day, year after year after year, he put up with the scorn of those who are around him. He looked like a fool until the end. And that's the root of every Christian down the hard way through the narrow gate. There are two gates, and there are two roads, and there are two crowds. There are those who enter by the narrow way and follow the hard path, and then there are the crowds that glide through the wide gate and down the wide road. Now, here's the thing. Here's where we're in trouble right here at this point, is if we begin to think these are just sort of like metaphysical ideas. These are spiritual similes or metaphors. This is just a teaching by Jesus about morality and self-discipline. This picture that Jesus is painting, every single one of us is in this picture that he's painting. In one of these crowds, the crowd going down the wide route and the wide road and the wide way through the wide gate, or one of the few who are going through the narrow way through the narrow gate. You are somewhere in this picture, in Jesus' mind eye, in his infinite mind eye, as he's telling this story to the original audience, in his eternal mind, he's picturing, he's picturing crowds going down these ways, and your face is in one of those crowds and on one of those paths. It's not just a metaphysical idea. It's not a, a teaching about morality. Be more moral or be disciplined. It is, a re, it is a call to question what road are you on and who are you following? Whose kingdom are you a part of? These are real people, you and me, your family and your friends, your boss at work and the clerk at the store. Every single person, every single person's unique face is in one of these crowds in this picture. Every single member of humanity is streaming down one of these two highways. And those two roads, those two gates, it divides the world into two and only two crowds. Jesus says those who find the gate that leads to life are few. There are 
two gates and two rows and two crowds and two destinations. Jesus makes it very clear. He says, the broad and easy path leads to destruction. And the narrow path leads to life. No matter what path you are on, you are leading in your life to a destination. Every single one of us. There's no escaping off one of these paths. There's no exit ramp. These are, there are two highways and only two highways. There are two crowds and only two crowds, and they are leading us to a destination. Your path in life is taking you somewhere. There are only two places it's taking you, life or destruction. Here's how one commentator describes it. Jesus here is talking about definitive destruction. Not merely in the sense of the extinction of physical existence, but rather of an eternal plunge into Hades and a hopeless destiny of death. The end of your life path is either death and destruction or life and wholeness, but both are everlasting. Everlasting destruction or everlasting life and wholeness. And so Jesus commands and invites and urges us in this passage. What did he say at the beginning? He said, enter into the narrow gate. Jesus issues a call to a response. There's an urgency to the call of Jesus. He isn't saying, look at where all the people are going. Study it for a while to see what way you want to end up going. No, his words come like a a cry to someone who is on a kayak on a river and there's a fort coming up and they can't see it and one way leads over a waterfall and one way leads to safety and there's a cry coming from the side. You're going in a direction. What way are you going? You're going the wrong way. I urge you, enter into the narrow gates. Do not miss the path. Do not miss the entryway. What does it mean to find safety? What does it mean to enter the narrow gates? Is it a call to a a more moral life? Is Jesus saying, hey, leave here and be a better person? Is it a call to join a church and live a, a better life? No. The call to the narrow gate and to the narrow way is a call to come to Jesus. You come to him as God and Lord and Savior. And no one naturally wants to do that. That's what makes the way so narrow. A big problem we're seeing today is people falling away from church. I won't bore you with the details or the stats, but it is startling It was going on before COVID, and the past two to three years has only exacerbated the trend. And some people that are falling away from the church are dealing with deep doubts about the core doctrines of the church. 
Many people are reeling from the ways that church or evangelicalism has disappointed or treated them wrongly. And when that happens, when the church disappoints us or it treats us wrongly, it creates a lot of confusion. It breeds doubt. It causes faith to be shaken. And they, you can wonder like, whether anything that you've been taught is actually true. But here's what I think is the source of the problem. Jesus never called us to be disciples of a church. He boldly and unapologetically calls us to be disciples of himself and him alone. The way is narrow. It's not narrow because a self-denying life gets you anywhere on its own. The way is narrow because it involves a personal commitment to another person. The gate is narrow because Jesus is the gate. It's narrow because he said, I and I alone am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He is the way. And no one comes to the Father, no one finds eternal and everlasting life except through him. And that means that you have to come to him as he is on his terms. And this is who Jesus is. I've already mentioned it. Jesus is God. Jesus is not a wise teacher. He's not a good guy. He's not our buddy. Jesus is God Almighty incarnate. He is the revelation of the person of God in human form. He is the second person of the Trinity. He is God. He is the one by whom creation began, and Scripture tells us he is the one who holds it together by the word of his power. Jesus is God, and he is also King. That means Lord or Master. You don't come to Jesus as anything other than God Almighty, and you do not come to Jesus except as Lord and King and Master. He is not our consultant to life. He is the Lord of life. And no one comes to the Father except on bended knee before Jesus. He is God, and He is King, and He is Savior. You don't come to Jesus without acknowledging your need of a Savior. You don't come to Jesus without acknowledging your sin and His holiness. You don't come to Jesus without acknowledging that you need a sacrifice for your sin and to pay for your death, and that He is the only holy sacrifice that can pay for the debt that you owe to God the Father. He's the only one who could take upon Himself the wrath of the Father that was justly due to you and to me. Jesus, we only come to Him as God, and as King, and as Savior. There is no life, hear this, there is no life, do not believe any other lie, there is no life or truth or hope to be found outside of Him. 
You may search for another. You will never find anyone. Or you might find a substitute. There are many substitutes. But they all fail. You may not realize they fail in this life. Maybe you'll be granted the gift by God to realize that your false Lord and God and Savior fails you today. Or you may find out at the end, but we all find out that they fail. One way or another, every single one of us has to deal with Jesus. He is the inescapable one in human history. Because he is the inescapable God of eternity. Hebrews 4, 13 says this, No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Where are you with him? I'm not asking you where are you with your idea of him. I'm not asking you where are you with his teachings and his precepts. I mean, where are you with him? Jesus is the gate. There's no entry to life apart from him. There's no entry to him apart from his satisfaction for us by his blood. We don't like that. We don't like the bloody part of Jesus. We like the the wise, good teachings of Jesus. We don't like the bloody Jesus who died for my sin. Would you have an entry, a gate that isn't bloody? Then you'll miss the gate to life. Because it's a blood-stained gate that leads to life. It's a blood-stained cross from a pierced Savior. That's the gate. Many people miss the gate because of this. They see it as unappealing. I don't want to be a part of that kind of religion or that kind of life. They see it as demeaning. They see it as threatening. I don't want to deal with the fact that I'm a sinner or it says I'm a sinner. I don't want to think about that. I don't want to hear about my sin. It's a stumbling block and it always has been to the good and to the religious. Are you good and religious here today? You are in incredible danger. Because our goodness, our religiosity can make us think that we don't need the blood-stained path of the blood-pierced Savior. It's foolishness to the wise. That's silly. Have you entered this gate? Has the shed blood of Jesus become precious to you? Is your path of life the blood-covered path? Is that where you wash continually in the blood of Christ? Is the cross that which you lay your head upon to sleep? Are you content for a pierced Savior to take you by the hand and lead you? And where will he lead you? Probably into hardship and suffering. But where else would a crucified Lord take us? Probably into the valley of the shadow of death. But to those who are being saved, we echo the words of Peter, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life.
How do you enter this gate? Only by faith. Not by any performance, not by any reformation, not even saying I'm changing my behavior from this day forward. Only by faith is the only key that will open it. Jesus paid for your sin and he offers you forgiveness at no cost, absolutely and utterly free, but you cannot, hear this, but you cannot claim any interest in that grace apart from faith. Faith is trust and submission in Jesus alone for your salvation. And this is what it means to believe in or to believe on Jesus. I have faith and trust and submission in Jesus alone for my salvation. How do you know if you've entered the gates? Because you've received the Holy Spirit of God and have experienced the new birth. That's how you know if you've entered the gate. Do you have these proofs? Is your passport stamped that you are on the narrow way? There's such a thing as false church membership. There's such a thing as false professions of faith. Do you have active faith and submission in Jesus? Have you received the Holy Spirit? Have you experienced the new birth? If you receive a call from your doctor on your way out of here today, and they said that he has to see you today or you won't live until tomorrow, I bet you would make it happen. How much more attention should you give your eternal soul? Make sure you've entered the narrow gate of Jesus today. Now to you, are you a believer Do you have these proofs? Yes, I have these proofs, Randy. If you have those proofs, then eternal praise and wonder should enter your soul. But here's a question. What about the others? What about your family and your friends, your neighbors and your coworkers? Have they found the narrow gate? Have they entered the path? How will they find the narrow gate since it is so easily overlooked and so easily despised apart from a gospel guide to show them where it is and how to enter? Do you see the mass of humanity streaming by on the broad way to destruction? Do you see them overlooking the narrow gate that leads to life? How can your heart not go out to them? How can you not have pity on them? How can you not feel the love of the Father for them as he has for you? Would you show them the gate? What if they don't listen? Well, at least they'll have seen it. But perhaps they will listen. and Perhaps they will enter. Yes, to some it is the way of foolishness, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God and the fragrance of life. Jesus says you must enter the narrow gates, and he says you must continue on the way to life. The way to destruction is wide. The way to life is narrow. The way to life is hard. The way few follow it 
In order to enter, we must leave all behind. Sin, possessions, dreams, family. Jesus never sugarcoats his call to follow him. He tells us things like this. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end shall be saved. It costs you to follow Jesus. Yet this hard and narrow way, believer, leads to life. And here's the great secret of the Christian life. We get to taste that even now. We might be on the hard and narrow road, but we have entered into sweet fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We may be on the hard road, but we have consciences that are constantly and regularly and continually washed clean by the blood of Christ. We may be on the hard road, but we have God's love spread abroad in our hearts. We might be on the hard road, but our soul within us cries out, Abba, Father, to God. We might be on the hard road, but we have peace that passes understanding. We might be on the hard road, but we have joy that is inexpressible and full of glory. We might be on the hard road, but we have a deep and powerful bond with the other happy Christians that are on the road with us. We might be on the hard road, but we have the promise of Jesus who said, I will be with you always. And he said, I will bring you home with me forever. Life eternal. Man, that's sobering. But man, it is beautiful. Christian, you are already a part of life eternal. Don't give up. doubter, seeker, you're here wondering, maybe I'm not a Christian, enter today into the narrow gate. Come to Jesus as God and King and Lord. And find out that whenever you lose everything for His sake, you gain more than you could have ever dreamed of. Now and at the end of the road. I'm going to pray and the band's going to come up. They're going to play for a moment. In a few moments, we're going to open the front for a communion. There's going to be a station on each side if you're a believer in Christ this morning. Come forward and take that wafer and take that cup, the body and the blood of Christ, broken for you and shed for you to call you to his own. And thank him that he is guiding you through the narrow gate down the narrow path. And let your heart turn to those others that he has shed his blood and had his body broken for.
And if you're not a believer in Christ this morning, instead of partaking in communion, would you see me or ask somebody besides you, I need to know what it means to become a Christian, to follow Christ. Today can be your day to enter through that gate. Father, we thank you for the truth of who you are in Christ Jesus. We thank you that you didn't leave us streaming down our own path, but you've made a way through Christ for us. Oh, help us to follow him. Help us not to give up. And fill us with your Holy Spirit that we might endure to the end. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.